I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We'll kick things off with the BMW Championship from this past weekend. Victor Hovland shoots a course record 61 with a 28 on the back nine to chase down Scotty Scheffler and Matt Fitzpatrick. Max Homa shot his 62 earlier in the week and briefly held the course record at Olympia Fields until Victor Hovland turned on the Jets on Sunday. We got a top 10 littered with names that will be playing in the Ryder Cup come the end of September. We'll talk a little bit more about how the U.S. versus Europe is going to be an exciting one. Lots of big names playing really well right now. We'll jump into the Tour Championship at Eastlake this week. The top 30 from the FedEx Cup advance. We got a staggered start as we always do. Scotty Scheffler starting at 10 under, Victor Hovland at 8, Rory at 7, and then all the other players below. We'll talk about who we think has a chance to catch Scotty Scheffler. Scotty's picked up over 200 strokes on the field this year on the PGA Tour. An unbelievable statistic. Giving him a two-shot lead to start at Eastlake seems like an insurmountable challenge, but last year, Rory was able to chase him down in the fourth round. We'll see if someone else can do the same. And we'll round out the episode with updated comments from Jay Monahan, an annual State of the Tour press conference from Eastlake this week. A little bit about Liv, a little bit about Piff, a little bit about the PGA Tour state in 2025. Looks like we're going to get a deal made with the Piff and the PGA Tour by the end of this calendar year. And then we'll talk about our final week of league play. 18 holes at Little Bennett this week, two separate nines. We got Ben and Tully both in contention to maybe take down the regular season title and at least secure a top three spot and get paid out. Thanks for joining us. If you have haven't yet head on over to instagram and give us a follow at big players only pod we hope you enjoy the episode All right, the boys are back. The second round of the FedEx Cup playoffs are in the books. The BMW Championship at Olympia Fields in Chicago. I mean, this is a wonderful golf course. It played pretty tough. 17 under, I felt like it was a pretty good score uh, for Victor Hovland. We know his back nine on Sunday, the 28, so par 70, so but still seven under on the back nine to beat Scotty and Fitzpatrick by a shot. All right, so Vic takes it home. Fitzpatrick and Scheffler both at 15 under, two shots back. Rory finishes fourth. Five shots back, and then rounding out the top ten, Brian Harmon, Max Homa, Sung J.M., Xander Shoffley, Russell Henley, and then a whole bunch of them at 10, at T10, at seven under. Tyler, we're going to lead this one off with you. Congrats on picking Victor Hovland before the final round. Started three shots back, shoots a course record 61, a 28 on the back, takes down the title, and you are now $280 richer. It, that was a, it was a good way to end the weekend for me. I mean, when I was looking in the uh, Sunday morning before we went out and played our own round of golf, I, I wanted to throw a little bet in thinking we might be able to catch the end of it once we got done. And it's never fun to pick one of those top two guys because the odds aren't there. I wanted to pick somebody who was a little bit further down to make it interesting. 
Um, he had an awesome round three as well. I can't remember what he shot, but was he five under round three, something like that? Yeah, he goes one under, two under, five under, nine under. Yes. So nice trend. So I was, I saw the solid round three. I was like, all right, kid's playing well. Let's see if he can make a run. And he shot that. He what's it on eighteen? He put that one to five feet to really kind of clinch it. I guess it was. And it, it was an awesome finish for him. A nice, well, like I said, a nice way to wrap up the weekend and make the wallet a little bit fatter. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Like you got what he he opened, I think, at fourteen hundred. That's what you got him at after he played three rounds. Still, the fact that you were able to just kind of sit and wait and just get those same odds, yeah, get a feel for how he's playing. Look how comfortable he was yeah. out there. It was, it was, really minimized your risk in a sense. Very impressive. Was a confident. Pick. I had uh, Homa going into this, and I was very close to cashing out. What Friday night? Because he had like a two shot lead, and I could have made like half the money. Yeah. I was like, now nah, I'm going to ride with him. Yeah, speaking of home, you know, <clears throat> sets course record, Vic immediately comes out and be like, eh, let's, let's change this up a little bit. But the, the, the crazy thing about Vic is, like, normally when you have these scorcher rounds, like, the putter just gets hot, and you're making putts from all over the place. He had, I think, seven birdies on the back nine. None of them were longer than 10 feet. I yeah. mean, he was just, like, stuffing iron shots and having these tap-ins. Yeah, I mean, it's it was great to see him do that. Like, I mean, obviously we saw him win at the Memorial this year, but he's had a... Somewhat underwhelming, you know, start to his PGA Tour career. Like, yeah, he's got some wins. He's played well, but not, like, those staple wins. And now he's finally starting to get them. He was, you know, it was, what, him, Morikawa, and Wolf that were, like, the big names in that rookie class. And you're now kind of seeing him kind of take that next step, maybe even passing, say, Morikawa. I know, obviously, he has the majors over Hovland, but, you know, a little bit more consistent play. It's great to see that. Because Vic, Vic has to be one of the most likable guys on oh, the he's, he's, he's always out there smiling, grinning. Yeah. He, he's always happy. So he wins yeah. at Jack's place and he wins here. These are two incredibly high-level yeah. golf courses. It's like we always Against say. Against great fields. Right. When, when someone wins at, like, Riv, it's like, yeah, it's not a major, but it kind of is, right? Because the course, the caliber, the course is amazing. So Vic's, Vic's wins now, right? The whole thing was, like, he could only win PJ Tour events that were, like, outside of the domestic United States, like island resort events. And now he's come out this year. I think we got to talk a little bit about the Ryder Cup. Vic wins this thing, and Matt Fitzpatrick comes in second. Matt Rory in fourth. Rory in fourth. You got Scotty, Brian Harmon, Max Homo, Xander. Those are probably the only autos in the top ten. So, like, pretty much head-to-head, this leaderboard top ten is pretty split between Europe and the United States. And this thing is being flipped on the side. I think six, eight months ago, we thought this was going to be a runaway, and it is not looking that way anymore. Yeah, it, I'm, the Ryder Cup, I mean, obviously I'm really strongly rooting for the U.S., but I'm not very confident going into it right now. Like, the, with the, you have your Wyndham Clarks, your Brian Harmon and stuff in the on the you know top auto qualifiers for the U.S. Now we know Brooks isn't a guarantee anymore with how the leaderboard shook out this week. It, you know, it's just kind of looking potentially weak for the U.S. team. Rom, Rory, and Vic being the top three for the Europeans, I mean, that's a heavy-hitting top end, right? We know toward the bottom they're going to be a couple guys you might not know, but that's a pretty heavy-hitting top end. So you look at the U.S. side. Okay, throw away Scotty Scheffler, number one play in the world. Who do you really feel that good about as far as how they've been playing? I mean, no one's been really playing that consistent on the U.S. side, and and so I think they're losing a lot of traction here. I think they're runaway favorites, and you know, you you couple the the fact with the guys trending in the wrong direction with the fact that this is happening in Europe. Yeah, I think the tables are really turning here. And I'm not being a Rory fanboy here, but I'd say over the past six to eight weeks, I think he might be playing a little better than Scotty. They're both both very comparable, but I would say the first six eight months of the season it was a runaway Scotty over Rory. But I think now Rory might have the edge, and they're at least equal. So our top end heaviness is 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 not as valuable as I thought it was going into the Ryder Cup. 
Well, and you look. Well, I mean, you could say this about Rory too, but Scotty's putter is going to be a real issue in the yeah. Ryder Cup. I mean, certainly he can hide from it in a couple of the formats and let other guys putt for him or just rely on that ball striking. But when push comes to shove, he he doesn't really have that to be able to rely on. So it it could lead to some shaky performances even for him. What was the stat we saw that Scotty Scheffler has gained over two hundred strokes? <laughs> over the field this year on the PGA Tour. That's just an outstanding statistic. With a, I think his strokes gained putting was just below tour average, which it felt like it was worse. But gaining 200 strokes on the field with a below average putter is unbelievable. Yeah, I think this like Scotty led the field in strokes gained off the tee and approach this week. And, you know, still... Like, two shots putting. back. Yeah, well, and it was back with the, the microcosm of the four-footer he missed on 17, right? Like, you could say he didn't putt that great this week because he didn't putt that great, but when you miss it in crunch time, it just magnifies how bad it is. So I think if Scotty hits something like, if he hits 75% of those greens this week, he'll be the first player since Tiger's 2,000 uh, year to hit more than 75% of the greens in a year. So, like, it just puts into perspective the ball-striking year that Scotty Scheffler's having. He's, it's the and same the as Tiger. Year. Tiger just putted better in 2000. That's why right. he won like eight times. Yeah, I think he's on track. I mean, unless something goes really wrong, he's going to have the second-best season ever, like outside of putting. Like yeah. You put those stats up there, and, and even if you include putting, probably just overall strokes gained, I think he's still going to have the second-best season ever. And what does he really have to show for it? And that's kind of the, you know... You talk about disappointments this year. We're probably not quite to that point. He's about to win the FedEx Cup, but what could have been? Yeah, it's it's weird because you think about it. Like he has been the most dominant player in terms of just always being in contention, not missing cuts. Oh, you know what? He had what it was a run of like thirteen straight that he didn't finish worse and like tied for twelfth or something like that. Yep. That was like absolutely absurd. But he has what two wins. He won. He won the players, which is obviously notable. And then, yeah, the the Phoenix Open. He won, won. Yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's yeah. two, maybe three. Yeah, early so versus. And I mean, you could even say for like Rom was also like he started hot and then kind of cooled off. But like I don't know if you can hand Scotty or Rom the like player of the year. I think it's Rom, but Rom's had a pretty tough second half. Yeah, like he started well, and like, yeah, he's got the Masters, but otherwise he's kind of been. Yeah, if, if non-existent, if, if Scotty has a runaway victory here at East Lake, I think it'll be a really tough conversation. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple guys that were like right on that cut line for East Lake. So like we know, the top thirty guys get into East Lake. So if you started the week fiftieth, you were going to need like a top three performance probably to get in. The guy that is just on the outside looking in, Sahith Thagala, saw a really great video where his dad was pretty much following him the whole tournament in Chicago. And Sahith needed like a par on the last hole up and down to get in as number 30. Doesn't get up and down, but just a video of his dad kind of being in the crowd, like just so like upbeat, like, you know, it's okay. Like, don't worry. You got a bright future. Was he supportive or what? Could you see the disappointment on his dad's face? Like, what was it just really, like you said, more more supportive and encouraging? You could like, everyone kind of was like the air got let out of their balloon when he missed it. But at the end of the day, he's like, no one's going to take this worse than my son. So I'm just going to be real supportive for him. And like, I think that's so great. Like, You'll see that more like the second swing, the second season of full swing, like seeing the families and the people that are out to support them. I mean, his story is just amazing. Do we know who's actually on that second season yet? Have they announced like the roster like they did for? Haven't seen. Monahan talked about it a little bit this week in his press conference, saying like, you know, it's coming, and that's like a whole. He's he's really trying to tout it as like a really a big pro of the PGA Tour, which seems kind of scummy, but it is what it is. Well, it was it was crazy too. So you talked about the Spieth video. I think I saw someone share the hat video too. It was kind of the same kind of thing. <laughs> this was so funny. He had a meltdown on eighteen because I think he had a bunker shot, and I think might have clipped the lip, and 
you know, knew he was going to make bogey and, and kind of was seeing forward to missing the tour championship and I think was slamming clubs and everything. Isn't that just normal the Tyrrell sword. Hatton? <laughs> yeah, but I think it was next level. And then it's like they're saying he's in the, the pro shop or hanging out afterwards, and they're like, I think you're going to make it as long as, you know, so-and-so doesn't do this and this guy does this. And he, uh, here's how all the points work. He's like basically like, no way, I'm not I'm not getting in. And then sure enough, he, he slides in as in the – what, 29th or 30th spot? No, like 27 or 28, actually. Oh, got really? in pretty comfortably. Yeah. But that video is amazing because it's some tour official, like, saying, T-Rail, let me just explain to you, like, <laughs> what's going to happen here and what you need to happen. And T-Rail's, like, literally walking out the door and stops with the door kind of cracked and, like, gives this guy a second, walks back in, and then continues to, continue, like, walk past him as the guy's like, wait, T-Rail, T-Rail, come back. He's like, I don't think I'm going to make it. You don't need to tell me. It was so funny. That's like me looking at my baseball parlays every night. <laughs> <laughs> And then the other guy, your boy Jordan Spieth gets in, gets in on the number. Another great video we saw where him and Michael are in the scoring tent with a PGA Tour official trying to figure out if Adam Shank makes two birdies in his last four holes, he could bump Jordan out. And then there's another guy that if he makes a bogey, Jordan's definitely in. And I'm, it was such a great video because it's the kind of same number crunching that we do, right? If you want a guy to get in, you got to figure out who still has time left on the golf course that could play like shit or could play well to bump him out. Yeah, it was great to watch, and it felt really relatable, like, just in terms of after, like, watching, like, JT's, like, he went into that, JT went into his week, it was like, oh, he had to finish, like, tied for, like, 12th or better, right. no matter what, and he'd be in, and then that just completely went out the window somehow, and it's like, they, none of them actually have any clue what's going on, I don't even think what they were saying in that video was even potentially right, I think they were just kind of making up numbers. To it just morphed so much. There. Yeah. It's just, it was, I mean, it was, I was happy to see him get in there. I didn't think it was going to come down to being on the wire like that. I thought he would expect, because he finished top 30 there, I figured he'd be like, oh, he's going to be like right around that number, be safe. But it was like, it was tight to watch. I'm, I'm excited. You know, maybe he'll make a, some sort of miraculous run at Eastlake. I don't know. Someone, it's bound to happen at some point where someone's going to make a stupid comeback in that thing. He's right? just got to chase down Scotty with a, he's probably going to have a, he's got a well, 10 shot. Jordan has a great, <laughs> if Jordan putts like we know he, Used to be able to. Who knows? You know, it'd be great to see. Yeah. I think tour championship was like 20 under. So Jordan's just got to put up like, you know, four straight 65s yeah. and he can do it. I mean, who can't do that on, you know, Tiger Woods? Jordan can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Special shout out before we leave this to number 30, Sepp Straka. Kenny One Putt's favorite golfer getting in at the at the who's? very end of the bubble. Kenny One Putt, MIA. <laughs> yeah. Ken can't be here to celebrate Sepp's victory, but we'll do it for him. It's funny because Sepp won this year. So seeing a guy... Like, you must have had a pretty bad year, right? Did he win? He didn't win twice. He won the John Deere, and then he lost uh, the Honda, or was that last year? But Last year he had the Honda. But Sepp gets a win on the PGA Tour and then barely makes it into the PGA Champ- or the, the Eastlake Tour Championship. Like, that means the in-between weeks, he definitely was not hitting it very great. So what, what I didn't really care for in this whole FedEx thing, and I think we can pick on some more problems as we start talking about the Tour Championship, but it didn't seem like there was enough possibility to move drastically going from last week to this week and probably even the week before. Like, I don't know that I love the fact that basically top 20 going into the BMW means you're automatically in. Like, it just seems like the the difference between each spot is not enough points to have people jumping all around. Do you have to, like, I know that going into that first week, it, they double the points or whatever. Do you have to, like, double it again sort of situation yeah, to make I don't it, know how to get it to more work. points available? Um, double it and give it to the next person. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, do you want that many guys jumping around, though? Don't you want to reward some of these guys that were had a better 
year. Well, long that's term. that's the that's the flip side of the argument. That's the you reward the year long. Yeah. But you know, get, when you're watching this and it's like some guy's in last place and he's shooting, you know, fifteen over or something. That's probably an extreme example, but it's like, oh, he's already into the tour championship. So who Doesn't cares what he does yet. this week? And Nick Taylor's in the tour championship, and he yeah. shot ten over this week. Yeah, that's exactly who I was trying to think like, of. He would have been a good one to say, "Sorry, dude. Like, yeah. I needed to see something this week, and I saw like a, a dead cat bounce." Right. So yeah, so Sep goes Did you say a dead cat bounce. Yeah. Can, we, can we go back to that phrase? <laughs> that's a new one for me. So shout I was out, trying to shout out Wall Street. Yeah, shout out Wall Street. <laughs> Matt Fitzpatrick made a big jump. He went from fortieth to tenth, right, with a T two finish. So that's a decent jump for him. Outside of that. I don't see anyone that was ranked outside the top 30 that jumped in. Everyone just kind of reshuffled. Sam Burns goes from 30 to 26. Sepp goes from 24 to 30. So really only one guy made a jump, and that was Matt Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, not many fireworks. You're right. I'm not sure how you really change that. I agree, yeah. The whole point, it's a year-long competition, like, for the FedEx Cup. But, like, I agree. There needs to be some level of shuffle. Do you just, instead of making the points maybe so top-heavy in the tournament, like, you... Double the total amount of points. But negative points. points. Negative points if you finish like 40 to 50. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You, could, you could do some negative points. <laughs> or you, could, you, could, you could have that double points kind of situation, but it's like it's not double points just for whatever position, but it's those points are spread out, and now there's more points even if you're finishing lower like, like or more middle of the pack. I don't know how you do it. I think Tyler's point is interesting, and I think we can kind of tra- we can transition here into the Tour Championship, but the whole idea of rewarding your best players, like, no, I don't think that's a terrible idea, but I think it's weird when it comes to qualifying for an event. Like, how many ways are they rewarding their players already? Though? Well, reward your players. Like, are, pay- we re- are we rewarding players for their play just to get on tour? If they're not playing well, they get on the Corn Ferry. They're on the tour. There's the Comcast Business Tour Top Ten. There's the FedEx Cup. There's just the fact that they're getting to all those elevated or designated or whatever new term there is for those events. Like, there's already like 17 different ways they're getting rewarded as top players. I do think you're right. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm here for James Hahn. I guess that's what I'm saying. Is like. Pay them out, right? Pay them out, reward them for their good year. But by having a good first half of the year, that doesn't, like, punch your ticket into the final event. Like, I would like to see these playoffs be, yeah, more high variance to get the players who are playing the best in the Tour Championship, not the guys that had the best year, because that could be a guy that won three times in the fall and then snuck his way into the Tour Championship. You got to pay these guys. I'm just not sure... I can probably see like eight to ten names of guys that just are not playing very good golf right now and got into the tour championship because their first half of their season. Do you want to have like a mid year tournament and just have like the UPS Cup or something? Yeah, so that they can go and do that. UPS. Do, do the the mid season tour championship. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about East Lake, right? So final event tour championship, top thirty players. We got Scotty Scheffler starting at ten under. Scotty ten, Vic eight, Rory seven, Rom six. Yep, Rom six, Lucas Glover five. Let me start getting into the groups of players. Four under, we got Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay, Brian Harmon, Wyndham Clark, boo, Matt Fitzpatrick. Boo. That's a really interesting one, though, because he wasn't even in, and then he has a good week, and instead of, he's think about how many strokes he picked up, right? Just by having a good week, he gets to four under starting versus even, even if he were to get it on the numbers, so like an incredible week for Fitzpatrick. Three under, we got Tommy Fleetwood, Russell Henley, Keegan Bradley, Ricky Fowler, Xander Shoffley. Talk about a mix of potential Ryder Cup hopefuls for the U.S., Henley, Keegan, Ricky, Xander, all starting at three under, so not super not super good for these guys. Two under, we got Tom Kim, Sung J.M., Tony Finau, Corey Connors, Siwoo Kim. One under, Taylor Moore, Nick Taylor, Adam Shank, Colin Morikawa, Jason Day, and then an even par, Sam Burns, Emiliano Grillo, Tyrell Hatton, Spieth, and Straka. 
Any sleepers in there for you guys? I did notice the the odds makers had Rory, who starts at seven, slightly ahead of Vic, who starts at eight, just by like a you know maybe fifty points. But any of these names really pop out to you? They're gonna have to make a run. Given Scotty Scheffler a two shot lead on the field, and then you know like a four and a half five shot lead on the average field, he can only lose so many strokes putting. Yeah, I know. I, I just don't know how this. Hopefully, it's good TV watching, right? Because Scotty went in as the leader last year. Rory chased him down. Hopefully, that kind of thing happens again. I'm happy if Scotty wins. I just hope it's competitive because if Scotty gets off to a hot start, I don't know who's going to catch him. I, I think we wrote the same script last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of what it's shaping up for. Scotty's just going to go out there and put together a couple of solid 66, 67 rounds every single day, and and Rory's going to go out there and, and kind of go nuclear a little bit, maybe one or two days, and catch him. Does anyone remember where Rory was? I think Last he was year, six back. Was he six yeah. back, something Scotty like that? Scotty had a tough final so round. So anyone at that four under mark is theoretically in that contention if you're going to go at it. So you got your Max Homas, your Xander, Lucas Glover, who knows? Maybe. Probably not. God, imagine if Wyndham Clark comes back and wins this thing six <laughs> shots back, and all of a sudden we're like, okay, maybe we can trust him in Marcus Simone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. No, but I do feel like there's – it's probably not going to happen because 10 strokes is just, you know, that's pretty insurmountable if you think about it, but – I mean, at some point, it's going to happen that someone that starts it even, if they stick with this st- structure format, that it will come back and somehow end up being the one that wins it all. And, you know, I, but even then, looking at the names, as much as I'd want Jordan to be it, I don't see a Jordan doing it. I don't see Colin Morikawa doing it in terms of the numbers that are at that even one over mark. It's, it, that's what I dislike about how the final it is. Like, we are talking about, like, a reward long season, whatever. Maybe you're cutting it off of the BMW Championship. That gets paid out for the right. Comcast Business Tour sort of situation. And then this is actually like a full-on, you know, balls to the wall, 30 top right. golfers from the year going at it in a tournament. I, like, I don't know how you do it, but it's just, it's it feels irrelevant. Like, these guys, even the finish the tournament, you're going to get a million-dollar check or something ridiculous, I feel like, because it is a huge purse, but... Yeah, it's just uh, it's not compelling. It's like imagine a one sixteen game in March Madness, and you give the one seed a ten point advantage to start the game because it's like they earned it. I don't know. It would make it less compelling. I think people are worried about Taylor Moore or Nick Taylor winning this thing because they didn't play that great all year. But it's an underdog story, right? You gotta give him a chance. You got the leaderboard up there right now. Yeah, where's my boy Sung Jay at? Sung J M starts at two under, so eight back. He's uh, he's my dark horse. I think he's the one that I've seen we've seen over the years that could just come out and randomly shoot like a nine under round. And he, if he if he could put something together, he's the one way down the list. That I think is going to make a run. Watch him go over par now, but I think that's one that you could see go go pretty low. Well, he's a good iron player. You got a long, lot of long irons at East Lake. Another guy that is on a lot of people's radar is Xander Shoffley. He'll that's start he'll start seven back, but Xander's record at East Lake is pretty incredible. I think he's played. 16 rounds here and never shot over par. Best scoring average by far. Has never taken one of these down. I guess he's probably just started too far back. But people people are really high on Xander this week. Where's Tommy sitting? Tommy's at three under, yeah. seven back. So I guess that's the question is like, you know, I think Vic and Rory and Rom. Rom starts four back, Rory three back, Vic two back. I think all those three guys have a real legit chance. Lucas Glover at five under, I probably not, right? But at the four under... Is four is six shots back from Scotty Scheffler over four rounds too much? Like, he's already beating everyone in four rounds. Give him six shots on even these names like Max Homa and Patrick Cantlay. Do they have a chance? I mean, I feel like the the six, the four under mark is my golden spot. Like, that's your floor. That's, that's, that's where I feel like they, they could get hot. Like, I mean, we saw, for example, Max Homa go out and shoot a 62 last week. And, you know, he's right, you know, 
if he didn't then kind of then trail off, he would have been right in contention. Or you see like a Vic go out and shoot a, you know, course record on um, Sunday. So like any of those guys that are somewhat in can make up three or four shots in one day. So I, but you know, the guys that are 10 shots back, they just don't have a chance. And that's what I don't, I'm worried about Scotty getting a two shot lead on the field and more shots on lots of other guys. But I think Scotty, Vic, and Rory, and Rom, right? Those four guys, I feel like, are just going to separate themselves from the field. So even if Scotty has a bad day, it, I think all those guys are probably going to be up near him. So it's going to be tough to catch any of them. So just in general, what do you guys think about this format? I think, unfortunately, yeah, we're going to have another year of it because, like, the whole PIF merger, whatever is going to happen, that's not going to be final until probably the end of this calendar year is what Monahan is saying. So we probably got another year of this. But in 2025, what would you guys like to see the tour championship look like? Like Tully mentioned, end it at the BMW, pay out the guys, and then have just a good old-fashioned top 30. Everyone starts at even and see who wins. Is that is that a good tour championship? What I kind of want to see was knowing that they're going to be doing these higher-level events and such that, you know, with, with only like 70, 80 people in them that are basically what we saw for the start of this um the tour championship series, the FedEx cup series would be all of the events, whether it's majors, non-majors, whatever, they're all the same amount of FedEx cup points, except, except not live, but <laughs> like all the PGA tour events are all the same amount of FedEx cup points, no extra points for the various events with the exception of the ones that are the, like the off events. So That's fair. All like the majors and stuff. They're the same amount as any other tournament. So we could get a, a situation where someone that it maybe didn't, qualify for majors but played really well in a lot of other tournament and didn't get into some of those early events has a chance to be in these little cinderella story Uh, you can get a little bit of those other you know just a hot golfer that maybe wasn't quite hot enough to play in all three of the major or four of the majors or whatever kind of situation because these guys are going to be at such a huge advantage these top 75 golfers whatever the actual number is because they're only playing in events that are extra points and all that kind of stuff so i need i want to see it where there's a little more at stake and they're not getting such a, a head start. So number 50 ends up being Hideki Matsuyama. He's going to get into everything next year. Even if he has a terrible year, I bet his floor is probably like still five, ten million, right? So he's going to make a ton of money. I wanted to pose to you guys the idea of turning the Tour Championship into like a match play format where you take all 30 and you give the top two guys buys. So you give Vic and Scotty a buy in the first round, and then you turn it into a good old-fashioned ranked match play giving a March Madness vibe, and you get the Nick Taylor ranked 25th against the number one Scotty. Do you think match play is a little bit of an unfair format to do a tour championship, or do you think it's really compelling? My only concern with that is, like, I, it doesn't quite work great in the regular season. Well, we have the Dell, WC Dell Classic thing or whatever. That's, well, it's gone this been, year. I know that yeah. it has been, and, like, I, I like the ma- the match play format. I just don't feel like it's it always delivers as much as we want it to. can be a pretty boring final. Yeah. yeah. So we got that, pretty lucky really this year. This year had a good final, but I feel like the last you know couple of years before that, it was kind of like, meh. You got to make sure, right, you got to make sure one of your top five guys is at least in the final yeah. against a long shot. But when you got like it's a lot of high risk. And Well, the, the other downside, too, along the same kind of lines is you, there's so little golf to watch on that final day because you have sure. one, maybe two matches going on. And so, yeah, leading up to it, there'd be a lot of excitement. Although, like you, the match play, but you could have additional matches and stuff going on if you're going to keep, we'll say it's still the same 30 player yeah. kind of format, and they're still playing like your loser's bracket kind of thing right. for positioning. <clears throat> so there's still plenty of golf maybe to watch. Yeah, I think the counterpoint to that is like Sunday at the Tour Championship, anyways, is kind of boring because you're only, only got like two or three guys that probably have a chance. Yeah. And then the rest of the golf feels so irrelevant because there's not. 
they could just make a little bit more money. But then they try to draw up the, you know, Taylor Moore by making birdie in the last three holes made himself an extra $2 million. Like, no one cares. So it kind of feels like a match play format, especially on the back nine. Like, it was Rory versus Scotty, so you're really just watching two guys. Well, and, and drawing a parallel to all the, the major team sports, football, basketball, baseball, is, is maybe a little bit difficult but they're team, because they're team sports. But like you kind of alluded to earlier, you wipe the slate clean once playoffs start, and then it's an equal playing field for every team going at each other versus these playoffs just feel like it's the scales are tipped so far in one direction based on how you've done throughout the year. And again, you know, it gets back to what, what Tippy was saying earlier, where you know you're rewarding the guys who have done well all season long, but you kind of lose a little bit of that that drama of the uh, the guy and in, in the tail end of the rankings being able to surge up and the the top guy getting knocked out early. I think you lose you lose a lot of that drama. It's like you take out you know we know that the top thirty get in to the the tour championship right now. Maybe the top thirty don't have to play in whatever the, the FedEx. St. Jude or whatever the heck that first one was two weeks ago. They don't have to play in that. They're automatically into the BMW, and then you have your top 70 after that, your top, I guess your 30, 31 to 100 maybe then play in for the last 40 spots into the BMW, and then it's all out from there or something like that. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see at least one more year of this, and then maybe with the PIF-Live merger, maybe the playoffs, maybe they're not even a thing anymore. We'll see. So let's jump into a little bit of other stuff that happened in golf this week, right? Jay Monahan had a big press conference this week at Eastlake. Nothing special. It's just an annual state of the tour press conference that he gives every year. But he had a few good talking points. He said that they're certain they'll reach an agreement with Piff by the end of this calendar year, which, yeah, whether you believe him or not, is it, I, I think I believe that they're going to reach a deal. And I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating, I'm like excited, right? Because it's like now golf won't have a division in it. I'm excited to see what, I oh, have really? faith that they'll have figured out the kinks and that golf will be unified and that we'll have the best players playing together again. I'm not sure how it's going to happen. Liv hasn't figured out its own kinks yet, so I don't think that they're gonna, them coming together is going to be very smooth. So I think that's the that's another question that was asked to him is like, will Liv have a future in this model? And he like danced around the question because I think one, he doesn't know. And two, I don't know if I see a future for Liv. And this is not me being like a PJ Tour fanboy. I'm just not sure how you can foster both, both tours you know, do does live events become like sponsored PJ Tour events? It becomes a whole relegation system, and live is the bottomest of bottom tiers for it. And <laughs> How could you, you imagine? Work your way back up. But whatever merger happens, whatever if you're able to play PJ Tour and live next year, and they're gonna have to find a way to pay these guys that ended up not going to live. I guess is the is the big argument. I mean, I think those guys are just screwed. If we're gonna be totally honest. The, 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 I don't think the PJ Tour has quite the money to make up. That they're already, I think, losing. Well, Piff money. will. They got, they got the Piff money. They now. got. I understand they got the Piff money, but if they got to assume that to some level, the Piffs all like the plan is to grow it beyond that and put that money towards bigger purchases in the actual events for the regular season, all that other kind of stuff. And if you're you're looking anything beyond, you know, a two year scope like they did for setting up Live originally, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to just sink all of that money there. You got to kind of spread it out if you're going for a long-term approach, I'd imagine. Also wonder what's going to happen with the DP World Tour, right? PGA Tour and DP World Tour are like, they're like partners, but they're not like the same business. So Piff coming in and saying, we want a piece of the PGA Tour. I'm not sure where the DP World get, Tour gets left with this. And I do believe that Liv has a, 
as a good market for the international game. The PGA Tour doesn't seem to be interested in expanding internationally. So Piv, Liv, Liv slash Piv can totally own like the international game if that's their, if that's what they want to do. But I'm, um, you know, our, our guys from the PGA Tour are the Roy's, the Scotties, the Max Homas, the Xander Shoffleys. Will they be playing in a Liv event in 2025? That's my question. No, I think Rory I said as much that he just won't fucking do it. Like he's just gonna put his foot down. And be like, no, I'm not playing this, and he'll take whatever fine and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't. Yeah, I'm not sure like what incentives they'll be. You know, they'll probably get paid a ton of money if they go and play a live event. And since they'll be merged, and there won't be this animosity from Live versus PGA, since they're technically like a a singular entity, I do believe some of these guys will end up playing in live events. I mean, yes, I'm sure some of them will, but like, it, it won't be Rory. It, Rory is not gonna, <laughs> Rory's not going to be the guy you're, oh, you're yeah. seeing you know, being like, yeah, I'm going to put on my you know high flyers jersey and go out and play three rounds of golf. Say as much as not, I shit on Rory, it's like he's. I feel like he would be a man of his words. Like I'm not going to do. This. Yeah, it, he's it, very it, adamant even about that. After all this came out, he said I, I would retire before I went and actually play with this, depending on like how this shakes out. Like he's been stayed very strong on that, at least in his words everyone's got a price i'm sure you know i guess that's the kind of the whole thing about live is it's team based so like you can't it's kind of hard to but just he's already in the tgl I that has the same well not a team based thing that's starting but up. how do you you know do you just do you play one week on a team and you're like but you're not like permanently on that team i, I mean i don't know how it works but i can't imagine rory's gonna be super incentivized to go play that i don't i see a world where tgl is gonna have plenty of money coming into it from your you know more u.s backed or just generally maybe not question mark backed uh, sources of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so like there's going to be plenty of money coming in there and that's already what only like 35 guys or something like that. It, you know, pretty low amounts there. That's going to be stupid amounts of money. That is seven weeks of the year. Yeah. And only like it's like a one day event on primetime television. It's like a 140 foot screen simulator. I'm yeah. not sure how TGL is going to work, but people I, seem interested I in it. I, I, so I'm not one of those people. I, I don't just, know I if just, I am I either. just can't see how that's going to be exciting. It's like, yeah, it's great that Tiger wants to come out and play, but do I really want to watch Tiger hit into a simulator? Yeah. I want to see Tiger walking the, the course essence. playing. Yeah. I just don't, I, I don't see the concept, but yeah, I, 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 I don't quite cool. see the, the draw with that. I, I, there's a lot of people excited and I'm sure it'll do really well and I'll be dead wrong, but Tuning in to watch people just, I mean, it's not that fun for me to go to a simulator and just bang balls. I'd rather be out on the course, which is kind of the same of what I'd rather watch on television. Well, they'll be, on the, they'll be a you. pebble. It's just on yeah. the TV. Yeah, if I'm not tuning in to Steph Curry on Holy Moly, yeah, I'm not tuning in to Tiger Woods. I, I got to assume they're taking the Holy Moly concept and just making it a lot better is what they're kind of going with. But I, I'm... I'm very intrigued by it. In the same way I was intrigued by Liv, like how is this going to like actually shape out? Like the idea, the concept of team golf sounded great. I don't think Liv has managed to execute it. Maybe this is going to get it done in a, a better way. Obviously, like Ryder Cup, President's Cup is the best version of team golf that we see currently. But I'd like to see, you know, something that's maybe around a little bit more regularly you can root for a team. I think Liv did a lot to break down the barriers of golf to common people who wouldn't otherwise be into golf and like golf can be fun and it doesn't have to be serious i think is the the main thing they really accomplished this year you know didn't clearly gain much attention and and much viewership but cw's just not you know overall it resulted in more people being interested in golf but are they interested in golf like the sport and the the actual game of golf are they interested in the reality tv show that was live versus pga tour well, probably. Were they watching Desperate that. Housewives or were they watching <laughs> golf? I guess you, when you said reality TV, it made me think like maybe TGL will be interesting. Maybe it'll be like a big break survivor kind of idea where 
pros have to hit certain shots and when they don't, they get eliminated. And that could be decently interesting because I'm over here thinking they're just going to play nine holes at Pebble Beach and it's like team golf or something on a simulator. I'm like, that probably won't be very fun. But, you know, I'll, I'll give TV Maybe it's going to be a little chance. like Double Dare-esque where they're also going to get slimed while they're playing <laughs> golf clubs. I'll give them a chance. <laughs> I think there, there, might be some, there might be some potential here. I mean, you can't – TV, I'm sure they'll find a way to spice it up and make it fun. I'm, 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 I'm thinking I'm changing my mind a little bit about TV. I think Rob Riggle's hosting, so. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Wipeouts on afterwards, and they just yeah, you finish 18th hole, then you go to Mount Midoriyama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think another thing with Monahan's press conference, he talked a lot about they're going to be able to leverage a lot of this PIF money to replace all the commercials they had to run. So that's a big criticism of watching golf is you're not actually watching much golf; you're watching commercials, and the broadcast really sucks. So I think they're going to be able to use that money to make the viewer experience much better, which. I think it was pretty lacking this year and, and in general. It definitely that is the coverage of golf is absolutely horrible, but I think I don't think there is a great way around that period because you just got so many people out there. Like there's no way for you to effectively watch every shot in live time. Have you not watched Live? <laughs> ow, yeah. Ow. That's a miserable experience. <laughs> you have no idea what you're going on. You're having a little bit of a seizure as you watch it. It's just not great. It would be nice for these networks, and I just assume they're so beholden to traditional broadcasting because that's what the sponsors are paying for. It would be nice for them to try different things to make it more interesting. Like the slime zone. A couple <laughs> yeah, that might be a little bit extreme. Maybe that's <laughs> a uh, a network special. But uh like we saw during a couple of the majors, they had some of the, the major podcasting groups. Like maybe we'll be on there one day calling <laughs> Golf Live. And it, it becomes more of a, you know, what we're doing here. We're just talking about golf and, and kind of joking around and not just like, well, here he is lining up a three-foot putt on the seventh hole here. And it, it makes it a lot more interesting to watch. <laughs> well, it feels like they already, All right, Nance. <laughs> they already have the structure there, like with the whole ESPN switch and all that kind of like There's somebody out covering every group constantly in some capacity. There's cameras on every hole. It's just a matter of you have to put a list on there where you can go to your ESPN right. plus yeah. login and click, I want to watch yeah. this group. Let's put some more money in. I just the... don't know why they don't. They already have it. They have all the coverage. There's someone there talking about it every time. Yeah. They just don't. Put it out there for you. I just don't understand why you don't do that. I agree with you, Josh, that once they're not worried about the sponsorship money, I think I used to think there's like there's a lot of downtime in golf, a lot of dead air, and that it's hard to fill. But the more I think about it, it's really not, right? You get the podcasting groups. You get, I don't know, someone's family member while you're walking down the fairway. You mic up players. Like I think a consistent, non-commercial interrupted coverage would be wonderful to watch. So when Apple buys ESPN... Everything's going to change, what you're telling me? Well, and, and it'll probably be a, some kind of paid, right? I'm sure we're going to have to pay for it. Like, we do everything. But in Monahan's press conference, he talked about PGA Tour Live and ESPN Plus, and they had something like 80 million subscribers to ESPN Plus to watch. And PGA Tour Live is the number one watched streaming thing on ESPN Plus. So I think there's a market for it. I think they'll make the money up by selling some kind of subscription-based service and then money from PIF as well. I mean, I hope they figure it out. I just I, I do. My, doubts. My, my trust in the management, much like Rory McIlroy's trust in the management at the PGA Tour, is very, very low right now. I do love when it's like the majors and it's supposed to be like the last hour is non-commercial interrupted and sponsored by Rolex or whatever. And one time I was watching, uh, like I think the women's U.S. Open or something like that, one of the women's majors, and someone tweeted out, when is the last hour supposed to start? Because they're on the 17th green and I've been seeing commercials. It's, it, like, it's the trophy presentation, all right? <laughs> it's a big old hoax anyways. 
All right, let's round out this episode with the league. We haven't talked about the league in a long time. We got our last official round. We got two nines. We're playing 18 this week, so our last two official scores for the regular season. If we look at the scores right now, we got from the big players, Ben in second in the season-long standings, 12 Stableford points back from getting first. So going to need a pretty special week this week at Little Bennett. We got Tully. Brooks, you're going to crumble. We hope Brooks crumbles. We got Tully in fourth, only five points back from Ben. So definitely could make that jump this week. 17 points back from the guy in number one. But I think if Tully has a good week, he's going to crack the top three. I think top three get paid. Collins in fifth, tied with Tully, actually. So T4 with Tully. But Collins going to be missing this week. So Colin is not going to be going up the leaderboards. And he actually has a chance to fall out of the top eight. The top eight get a bye in the first week of match play playoffs. Uh, so so Colin's got, you know, he's got two or three guys that could jump up into the top eight and displace him. So I'd say I'd give Colin like a 10 to 20% chance of remaining in the top eight. And then we got Dubby here. He's a little bit down the list, missed a few weeks, um, but 50 points clear of even making it into the playoffs. So Dub's really just playing this week to kind of tune up his game, get ready for the playoffs. He'll have a week one match and uh, we'll see who he gets paired up against. Where's Ken? Yeah, Ken Filler is currently 70 points out of even making the playoffs. So Ken Ken will not be participating this year in the playoffs of the golf league. He missed the What about a big week weeks. this week? Yeah, Ken can have Two a big nines. Yeah. He's well, super busy. He can't make it. <clears throat> when Ken goes out and shoots 59 this week, he's got a chance, right? I thought his uh yeah, grocer net. His <laughs> doppelganger would go out and play for him and uh Yeah, Ken Filler and Ken rounds. Miller both not making the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, but will Ken Filler beat Ken Miller? Is Ken Miller going to be there this week to overtake Ken? Maybe. Well, Ken Filler probably won't be participating this week, but uh, if Ken Miller is there, it's the he, Ken Miller Trophy. If he goes gets a fifty point <laughs> week, he's going to catch Ken. I guess the other storyline too, if if you're listening, which I'm sure you will, our commissioner JP, he's in third right now, sandwiched, Scandal. sandwiched between me and Tully. So me, Tully, and JP, all three kind of fighting for number two and number three. Assuming no one from the pack behind comes and chases us down, so well, well, don't worry. He'll be able to figure out a way <laughs> in entering the scores and adjusting the handicaps, entering the little Bennett round oh, to yeah. make sure he stays on the podium. Oh yeah, for the overall standings. JP cannot be trusted. He, he, Tyler's actually coming in next year and challenging him <laughs> for commissioner of the league, is what I heard. Um, Let's just say JP has already greased these wheels by sending a 17,000-word email about what tees to play and then the total <laughs> slope and that if you move up a tee, that's a lot of strokes you're giving up. So let's just say the all the ammo is there for, for JP to say, oh, well, technically I win. I'm, I'm calling my shot right now. Uh, this is the round I'm going to break uh, 80 on is a little bit on Thursday. Let's do it. going to come in and jump. You, JP, and Brooks to take the title. I'm calling it now. Let's do it, baby. I think so. All I can see here is the whites, which are technically the default tees for us. I'm only going to be playing 6,100. So we're probably going to play a tee back. So maybe 6,300. So little Bennett, we know it's a little short. I think it's a bit of a quirky course. Like I would say nine out of the 18 holes, I think are good golf holes. And I like them. And then the other nine are just like... They're so weird. There's Those that, are the ones I'm going to thrive on. I, they, I've never played a little bit. Of, give me a comp. I, I, I just don't, I have nothing in my head here. Well, there are South two hills. There like, are two parts. Some collection of the 27 holes up there. A lot of trees. A lot of trees. A lot of trees and pretty tight. And there are two par fours on the back nine where you only hit your first tee shot like 180 max. And then you have so I'm going driver wedge into the green, but it's like you can't even hit driver if you want. There's no real place to put it. But um, I don't know. There's some fun par fives out there. The greens are usually pretty fast. It's not a bad course. It's just 
there's a few holes out there where you think you hit a good shot and all of a sudden you can't find your ball and it's can be a little frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I've only played it once. It was last year at, at the league play and I managed to shoot like a low 80s round to secure the title. So I'm just kind of projecting the same kind of thing. To happen. Got good vibes here. Yeah. How many strokes would you lose if you went up to the Reds this week? <laughs> <laughs> and broke 80. Yeah. Broke 80 and still lose broke, points. Broke 60. <laughs> I will say, Little Bennett, two things about it. One is that the range there is expansive, incredible. It's probably just the the tees you hit off of are probably three or four acres. It's unbelievably big. And then the teaching pro there recently created a device that goes on I think your club, like near the middle of the shaft and has a, a stick that pokes out and in your backswing, at the top of your backswing, the, the stick is supposed to touch your right shoulder to teach you kind of like where to set the club and how to have proper lag. And I've seen these videos on Instagram and I'm like, it's cool, right? This guy seems to have a, a product that works, kind of like the Sean Foley Pro Sender idea and he's local. Well, it turns out one of the guys in our league, the guy that's leading the league, so maybe this is like a oh, testimonial. That was it. Oh, that was but was Brooks it. was saying how... He got with this guy because he's played a little better a few times and got this training aid from him and went out and shot like the best round of his life with it. And he's like, let me get a testimonial. And he's like, absolutely. This thing is changing my game. So I have to keep it, keep an eye out for that. I bet they have a whole bunch of them in the pro shop. My plan is actually to go ahead and switch groups and play with Brooks and JP. So get I can just head. get in their head the entire time. Are they playing together? I don't know, but I know JP's a head case, so we can definitely get in his head. Yeah, it looks like we're playing a threesome this week because I doubt Ken Filler makes it. I can't wait till he shows up and we get to take a heroic video again of Ken. <laughs> he hates those so much. All right, well, we'll be back next week. We'll give you an update on how the regular season in the league finished. We'll talk a little bit about how the tour championship finished. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you then.